Co-talk podcast. Co-talk podcast show. Nobody owes you a thing. I want to extract value and I want to propagate investing time playing the show. So I double down on myself. By hating you, they're helping you. Hey everybody, Austin here, owner operator Hemp Plus One CBD Lifestyle Botanicals, and I have a podcast show. This is episode one of Co Talk, and I have a very special guest with me today, longtime friend and business owner Chris Williams. Please introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, who you are, all that. Thanks for having me on, Austin. I'm honored to be on this first episode, and just eager to see what happens with your show. I'm excited for it, but. Anyway, I run Podsworth Media, which is a podcast production company. We do everything from consultation to help new podcasters get set up, get the right gear, record in the right type of room, get everything sounding as good as possible on the front end, all the way to all sorts of cleanup, everything from fixing objective issues like clipping and noise floor and plosives to editing out ums and uhs and pauses, making everybody sound smooth and polished to actually distributing it so everybody can get it on their favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So full service, everything regarding podcast production and distribution. Turnkey, turnkey, right? That's the key word, right? (laughs) So you do the red carpet podcast editing. And I think one of your biggest value props here is you take somebody who might be new in the industry, and you revolutionize how they sound on their own recordings. Instead of stumbling and all the ums and the uhs, you take all that out and you make them sound like they've been in the podcast business and the hosting business for a decade. Right. We do our best. We stay within the constraints that the clients set for us, of course, because not everybody wants to shell out for us to spend 10 hours producing a podcast episode. But, uh, Sometimes they do. Sometimes they want something a little more streamlined. So we tailor it to meet the client's needs, but we certainly love to get something sounding perfect when we're allowed to. Well, I'm very interested in kind of breaking down your business model. That's what this podcast is all about. We dissect the business model. We really get into the psychology of the business owner, why they're in business, the pieces, you know, how it all started, where you are today, where the industry's headed. So we've got a wonderful podcast episode for you guys. And I'd like to start with Chris. I'd like you to tell me how you got into podcasting, where the interest is, what made you choose to be in this market? And we'll go from there. Well, the short answer to why I'm in the market is demand, of course. So I know you're going to be talking to a lot of business owners. It's so important to be in a niche where there's a lot of demand. Specifically, though, my journey, how I got into this, ironically, I actually started off as a politics major up at a little liberal arts school in Michigan called Hillsdale College, which is where I met my now wife. And my roommate at the time got me kind of going down the path of libertarianism, which ultimately culminated in me becoming an anarcho-capitalist, which I am now. It's a whole other story, but it's really the fault of my wife and my roommate that I'm into podcasting because they both turned me on to different shows. My wife turned me on to Stuff You Should Know, which her and I still listen to to this day, and we love that show. And my roommate turned me on to the Tom Woods show and Tom's YouTube channel. And that was kind of in the early days of the podcast. So there were only maybe a couple hundred episodes out when I first started listening to him. And I just started kind of marathoning through those. 
I got out of being a politics major, though. I realized that wasn't for me, especially becoming a libertarian, because it's really hard to make it in politics as a libertarian. <laughs> and I There's just a little didn't, conflict of interest going on there, Chris. I did not want to play that game. <laughs> so I reoriented myself. I started going to the Art Institute of Austin for audio production, which is where we met and bonded. I've been friend over. ever since. Yeah, what is man. it, uh, eight years now? Oh, man, it's even more than that. I feel old because we met, I believe, in 2012 or 2013. So it's like nine or 10 years. Yeah. It's been a while. It goes fast. Yeah. (laughs) It goes fast. But yeah, we were both there wanting to do music production, of course, like everybody who goes to the Art Institute of Austin, basically, or most of the Art Institute. Going to music anywhere. producer, come out a Guitar Center employee. Isn't that right? That's a Guitar Center That's training right. camp. <laughs> yeah, man. Or like me, you come out, you have a degree in audio production, and you end up working in something that's kind of unrelated to music or audio altogether. I mean, I was maybe just barely related to audio when I first started. I was working at this company called Macaulay Technologies that does home theater installations and whole home audio systems and things like that. So I at least got to use just a little bit of my know-how. Well, so let's backpedal a little bit just for a second, just so we can get the story straight. So you were a politics major and then you got into audio. You decided to go to school for audio. That was where we met. And then you graduated at that time. You were mowing lawns. Oh yeah. Because we did talk off the air a little bit so I could get some background before we did this interview. Right. So When I was in college, helping to pay for college, I had a lawn business. So I was working hard and, you know, working my body, but not my mind. So you're always an entrepreneur. Yeah, I I have been fairly entrepreneurial for a while. But Um, you got into the podcasting because you needed something to do while you were mowing lawns because mowing lawns is boring. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I did enjoy getting exercise and being outside for sure and being able to listen to intellectually stimulating content at the same time made it fairly enjoyable, honestly. I could probably benefit these days from getting out and doing more lawn work aside from just my own lawn. But anyway, so it was it was nice. I was listening to a lot of great content, really learning, really changing my ideas and beliefs and being kind of an entrepreneur. So that was good And that, that's what got you into podcasting because yeah. you had, there was a podcast that you listened to the Tom Woods show. And then he ended up becoming one of your biggest clients. Exactly. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I was listening to Tom's show. I was almost caught up at that point, almost current on him producing new content and putting it out. So I might've been just like two or three episodes behind current. And I heard him complain on his show one day while I was out mowing lawns. He was like, I'm sorry, this episode came out a couple days late guys. And It doesn't sound great. I'm not an audio guy, but I produce it myself because I don't have multiple hundreds of dollars to spend per episode. So, you know, it just is what it is. And I was laughing while I was cutting that lawn because I was like, well, I'm in school for this and maybe Tom will take a chance on me. I'll go home and email him. So that's exactly what I did. That night I got home, I emailed Tom. I was like, hey, I'm a student at the Art Institute of Austin. I'm learning all about different audio production that definitely includes podcast production. So it would be awesome if you'd be willing to take a chance on me. And so he actually emailed me back pretty quickly. I think it was like 24 hours after I emailed him. And he said, yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to do one for free, just kind of as a test and I like it, then you're hired. And that's exactly what happened. So I did, I believe it was episode 401 for Tom. 
he liked it. He said, you're hired. And I've been working with him ever since. And we're on episode 2197 will be coming out Monday as we record this on a Saturday. <laughs> oh, God. So you could say that Tom Woods was your lucky break, but also your introduction into the podcasting world and the beginning of your journey as an editor and then doing the post-production. And from there, you were able to propagate out into the market by tapping into Tom's network, right? Because I believe that most of the growth that your business has incurred over the last, what is it, five, six years has been organic, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I have tried Facebook ads once or twice, but really nothing serious. I never spent more than a couple hundred dollars on it. And basically all my growth has been word of mouth recommendations from clients to other prospective clients. So initially that was it. It was truly just somebody hitting up Tom or one of my other very early clients and saying, hey, I'm starting a show. Do you have somebody who produces your show? And then Tom or one of my early clients would say, yeah, you know, I use this guy, Chris Williams in Texas. Here's his email address. Get in contact, see if he can help you out. So that's how I got all my initial probably five or six clients. And then... So by then you were podcasting full-time. You didn't have to mow lawns anymore, right? Or or was there a phase that you went through where you were doing both? How how was that transition? There was a phase where I was doing both. So that was pretty uncomfortable from a work hours perspective. Like I mentioned, when I graduated audio school, I started working at this company, Macaulay Technologies, doing AV installs. I was starting to phase out my lawn business, but still kind of doing it on the weekends. And I was already working with Tom. I was working with my pastor. Bob Murphy was introduced to me by Tom. So I had at least those three. I can't remember. Oh, your, maybe pa- your one pastor or two was a client too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I had that first little group of clients while I was still mowing a few lawns while I was working full-time at Macaulay Technologies. So I did have kind of a brutal year that was just way, way, way too much work. Probably, you know, getting close to 70 hours a week, maybe more than that even on a few weeks. But I realized though, I have enough clients now. I bet I could quit. And if I really put all my energy into this podcast production venture, I could probably have enough clients within two to three months to where it would replace what I was making at Macaulay. And I could replace that full-time job with just being an entrepreneur running my own podcast. You saw saw sustainability in that. And I think that another key piece of this was that you were helping out your pastor and and you got some connections through him, right? You were doing his Sunday morning sermons. You were turning that into a podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So he runs his own ministry outside of the church We do turn the Sunday morning sermons into podcasts, but that gets zero production. It's basically what comes out of the board. But I do run sound there on Sunday mornings. So I've been doing that since 2013. And I'll be there with you tomorrow morning to watch you do that firsthand. Yeah. So I'm a little excited for that. Yeah, it'll be fun. So yeah, I love Pastor Danny. He's been very supportive and helpful through many years here. Just like Tom, just stuck with me for you know, a really, really long time. And I really appreciate that. But yeah, after I finally decided to rebrand from just my own kind of personal portfolio page that evolved into my business, Chris Williams Audio, I really realized that I needed an actual brand and not just my name, especially as I started to hire employees and it was a team effort. I didn't want it to just be Chris Williams Audio. 
So fortunately, my wife helped me come up with the name Podsworth for Podsworth Media. We just thought it evokes service and automatic, very quick turnaround, plug and play solutions for podcasters. So that was really primarily her idea coming up with Podsworth. So I filed that LLC and we rebranded. And after that, I took the opportunity to ask Tom, hey, now that I have this brand, do you mind if we get a little credit on the end of your podcast? Just, hey, like the sound of the Tom Woods show, my audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com. And since he allowed me to do that, that really got the name out there. So in terms of marketing, that's been the single biggest factor. I think that that is such an interesting and strategic move that you made with propagating your business outward. And again, this is all grassroots stuff. And I think this is extremely valuable to my audience, you know, people that are wanting to be business owners and they might still be searching for an industry to get into. It's like, how do you even get started with podcasting? And so I think that there's two big things that I could really highlight from your journey here. And one of them is your tenacity, right? You didn't know Tom Woods at all. And you took the initiative you heard that Tom Woods had a need and you said, I can provide this service for you. And you didn't know, you were just, I don't want to say you were a nobody, but you were nobody in the podcasting world. Absolutely. And you reached out to him and you said, hey, give me a chance to do this. And you know, that's brave. There's no other word for it. You reached out and you took initiative. And that's definitely something that a small business owner should have is just being brave and putting yourself out there no matter what and being okay with a no if that had happened. Well, that's what I would encourage your listeners with is, The worst thing that can happen is somebody just says no. I mean, maybe if they're a real jerk, they laugh at you too and try to belittle you. But 99% of people are not going to do that. They're just going to say, I'm sorry, I don't have the budget for this right now. Or, you know, maybe later we're working toward that. Something like that. Almost everybody's going to be polite. And just putting yourself out there helps you grow. That's so big. Like you need to get used to putting yourself out there taking little risks, you know, you have to work, you have to take little chances in business. So get used to that. Absolutely. And then uh, there's another thing that I wanted to highlight was once you had a couple of clients, you asked them quid pro quo to a certain extent to propagate your business through their current audience. And that allowed you to obtain organic growth for very little effort on your part. Just a simple conversation. Maybe, Maybe you did a free episode or something for them to help them out. But then what you got in return for that was just massive. For sure. Yeah, it's a matter of, hey, you know, lots of other shows credit a whole team at the end of the episode and take freaking two minutes of audio to thank the team of people that worked on the show. I just want a little 20 second plug or maybe not even that. I think the one at the end of Tom's show is like five seconds. So it's like, hey, you know, I'll maybe give you a discounted rate on your episode, something like that, just to get this little plug at the end, because I realized this is going to be really important. I need this to be able to grow the company. And I think there's another couple of lessons that we can take away from this too, is number one, that college degree didn't really help you (laughs) uh, become an independent business owner, did it? It might've helped you with some production stuff, right? And you made some friends along the way, but, but all in all, if you could have kept that money that you spent, you would make that choice if you could go back in time, right? Oh, yeah, man. Of course you would, yeah. I mean, that was a lot of... I mean, you'd much rather have a $100,000 podcast editing studio (laughs) (laughs) than than a piece of paper. 
Yeah. Fortunately, I didn't quite spend a hundred grand on the degree, especially since I transferred in with some stuff, but I still spent too much. We'll say that I mowed a lot of lawns to help, you know, keep the debt as low as possible, but took a lot of lawns to get that piece of toilet paper. (laughs) I, I still had to pay off a good bit after getting out of there. And fortunately, most of that's paid off now. Just have a little smidge left on those government loans that they keep deferring indefinitely. But, but I also <laughs> think that there's a, a massive strategy here that you utilize, which was tapping into a market by contacting these clients directly. I mean, now we're talking a sales tactic, right? How many businesses out there do not have a podcast and aren't adding value to their audience by doing a podcast and they don't know where to start. So if you take an audio course or something like that and you don't spend all your money in college, then you have time to go and prospect essentially any business that doesn't already have a podcast and even businesses that already have podcasts that aren't high quality production are people that you can contact, reach out to and build your client list. And it's one brick at a time. I think a lot of people, they get frustrated and down and out about this thing. But the reality of it is, is it is a grind. You have Mm -hmm. to build it one brick at a time. And that's exactly how you did it. Now you got a really great brick for your first one. (laughs) You got the (laughs) Tom Woods brick, Uh, but that was how you did it. You did it one client at a time. And that's how these small businesses are built. Right. And again, I'd encourage your listeners, like we were talking about kind of the questionable value of college and maybe just getting out there and starting to build a business and invest in yourself rather than investing in this system that is looking more and more every day to be a crumbling system. Absolutely. Don't give all your money to these giant institutions that are kind of just factories for creating automatons. Like, no, work hard, just start building your own thing for yourself. If you work hard, you know, if you go talk to people and try to learn from them what they did to make their business successful, just like we're talking about. Yeah, on, that education is free. That's YouTube what all this University, is about. yeah. And, and the Co-Talk podcast, more to come and right. be interviewing all kinds of business owners. This is free education I'm putting out there, folks, and it's free value. And you can learn how to bring value to other people and turn that value into a monetization opportunity. And that's what business owners do. And that's exactly what Chris Williams did here. How many clients would you say you have at this point? Right now, we've actually scaled back a little. We're around 20 clients, I believe, currently. At at our peak, we were close to 30. But I intentionally started scaling things back a little bit in our full-service manual podcast production because we're building an app. Yeah, and you have two employees working for you. And and I'm very interested in the app. We're going to talk about that here in a second. You have two employees working for you. What's that been like with, because I know that you've run into some scaling issues. And when we're talking scaling, we're talking about as the company grows and demand grows, Chris has exceeded a point now in his business where he can no longer do everything himself, nor should he. As an owner operator, he has a responsibility to maintain good client relationships and, you know, take care of the finances of building the business. And you can't always just be editing, right? right? So what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was a one-man show for way too long. I think I hired my first part-time employee around mid to late 2017 and then hired my second employee in mid to late 2018, third employee just a couple months after that. Around that time I was hiring the third employee, I was trying out all sorts of different employees, just trying to hire anybody to keep expanding. I am a little bit of a perfectionist. I will definitely admit that. 
maybe just a twinge of OCD. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's something that you recognize that you could work on for yourself, yeah. right? Because being too much of a perfectionist does hold you back from making progress. Yeah. And sometimes imperfect progress is better than making perfect non-progress, right? Exactly. If I had to put it in so, a phrase. This leads us perfectly into specialization and division of labor. So even with my tiny team at the peak, four people, currently three people, it was very specialized already. We had a system. I'll just give you the four-person system because it is essentially still the same system. We've just kind of automated one of those jobs at this point. But we take the files we get from the client. The raw files is the term we use. We take the raw files, throw those in a Pro Tools session, just analyze what the problems are. Then we fix the objective problems that absolutely everyone would want fixed. So things like clipping, high noise floor, plosives, lots of mouth clicks and smacks or yep. digital clicks and pops if you have a bad connection or dirty okay, power, yeah. all sorts of things like that. There's an objective list that have objective fixes. So we fix all that stuff first. We refer to that as prep. After the episode has been prepped, then it gets whatever level of editing the client has specified. So like I mentioned earlier, we love it, of course, when a client will let us just go ham and try to edit it perfectly, make everyone sound like a professional speaker. So that's when we'll remove every little stumble that yeah, we possibly Yeah, that's the red can. carpet top yeah. tier service that you're right. that you're offering, the white tablecloth yeah. service, but you, you do all levels of service. Right. Some clients just give us a time limit. They're like, just edit as much as you can within one hour. Okay, great. If you had to give me an ideal client, because I know there's people out there that want to start their own podcast production business, and this is lucrative to a certain extent, and a lot of that depends on your ability to scale, which we're going to address here right. even further. But before I get to that, I want to know what your ideal client is so that you can give people an idea of where to attack the market. Oh, in the full service game, the ideal client is actually an institutional client. So if you're providing full service podcast production with this detail editing, getting everything as perfect as you can, usually the type of clients willing to pay for that are either very established individual podcasters, but that's a very small market, or institutional clients because they might not have an established podcast at all. They might just be starting their podcast, but they're going to be willing to shell out big bucks for it because they want professional production value. And they so, have the money to do it because right. they're getting it from other sources and they see value in building that podcast. Yes, And there's well, plenty of people out there like that. A lot of businesses see the value in creating a podcast for marketing because it's long form marketing. <laughs> That's really what a podcast is a lot of the time. And that may sound cynical. I mean, it's the truth for a lot of companies. It doesn't mean that it's not entertaining necessarily. It still has great entertainment value a lot of the time. But for big companies, for these institutional clients, it's largely long form marketing. That's what their podcast is oriented to. But there's a lot of value in that for their specific market. So they realize that that's why they're creating the podcast and that's why they're willing to pay big bucks to get it produced professionally. Okay. So we talked about your clients, right? Like ideal people that your business can tap into and form a working relationship with them and this advantageous symbiotic business relationship. But I really want to take another step back and ask you 
What about the consumer market? Where are these listeners headed? You know, I know that true crime was pretty hot for a little mm -hmm. while. Where are things headed now as a whole from a consumer perspective? What I've seen as the most successful are long-form, real conversation podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience. Like which, this one, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends how long-form you want it to be. The unique thing about Joe Rogan and why he's been the biggest podcaster on the planet for a while now is he's interesting. He asks interesting, engaging questions and is able to just pull out really fascinating, deep stuff out of his guests that... Nobody else is pulling that out of them. Joe is sitting there having a three-hour-plus conversation, so you really get to know the person. It is very raw. He's not editing anything out. They just have good front-end production value because of a well-built studio. little plug for my buddy, Matt Alvarez, who built both of Joe's Austin studios, including the red one that didn't necessarily look super amazing. A bunch of people <laughs> grilled Joe for that. Right. Uh, the but, Soviet studio. <laughs> the Soviet lounge. <laughs> yeah, Joe really wanted it red. And when Matt told me that <laughs> while he was building it, I was like, red? Are you are you sure? Red? And he's like, that's what Joe wants, man. I, I'm just doing it. You but, know, do you think he inspired <laughs> Biden recently? <laughs> not to that's get political. That's really not what this podcast is about. But I just <laughs> thought it was really uncanny. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. But the important thing I'm focused on is how it sounds, right? I'm the audio guy over yeah, here. I, sure. didn't, I didn't really care that much about how it looked. Both of those sound great, especially the new one though, man. It just sounds phenomenal for basically raw recordings. I mean, it's going through obviously high quality mics, high quality preamps, getting a little bit well, of- it's probably getting compression on yeah, it. Yeah, live production. Yeah. So you can save money. Well, not necessarily even save money. Make an alternate investment. I'd put it that way, yeah. right? In high-end podcast equipment and essentially not need production on the back end with the editing services that you provide. But it's a whole nother animal, yeah. like what we're talking about. And he does have somebody doing that full-time as a producer who's producing on the front end. It's like broadcasting. He has a broadcaster work for him full-time. Yeah. As opposed to what you're talking about, where it's point and shoot. And we also wanted to talk about that app where you can right. just throw a file in there and then it comes out nice and shiny and clean and beautiful. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Are we ready to discuss that? We're getting pretty close. I'll okay. tease it with market demand again. So <laughs> the And this is where the industry's headed with the consumers, right? right? Is this automation thing you keep talking about? Well, yeah. I mean, what consumers of podcasts want is they want their listening experience to meet a minimum quality threshold. Like if you can afford to produce something really premium, of course, the listeners are going to eat that up. They're going to notice a difference. They're going to enjoy it. But the real important thing is meeting a minimum quality threshold. You want the listeners not to feel like they're having a negative experience. So in my experience, most of my clients are recording on the go. They don't have time to build a professional <laughs> podcast right. studio, even if they have the money. These are mostly people that are doing a lot of traveling, a lot of public speaking. Yeah, plug in the snowball mic into their laptop <laughs> in a Hilton hotel and then just hope for the best, send the file over to Chris Williams right. here. exactly. Over to my team and I. Yes, that's why it's Podsworth Media. Right. I will emphasize my team. We've done a lot of specialization. That's what good labor, leaders so. do is they, they give the credit <laughs> to their team. So, uh, you know, yeah. hats off to you for making that correction. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, we're really tailored more to these kind of busy on-the-go clients that don't have time to have an optimal recording environment every time they record. So Joe has an optimal recording environment, thus they can afford not to run a bunch of post-processing on those episodes. Now, the not editing it per se, like removing pauses and ums and uhs and stumbles, is intentional on Joe's part because he really wants people to see that raw, uncut version of the other person, and he's drawing out the interesting tidbits from them. So that's his approach. Not everybody wants that because not everybody wants a three-hour podcast episode. They realize most people don't have time for this, or if they do, they're really breaking it up over multiple listening sessions. Maybe listen to 30 minutes on their commute in the morning, 30 minutes at lunch, 30 minutes on the commute back home, listen to the last couple hours on the weekend, mowing the lawn or whatever. But there is something that, (laughs) that you can do if you want to start a podcast, and that is get some gear, right? So yeah. wh- what are some gear recommendations? Because I know we talked about a field recorder or something like that. And I don't want to get too into the technical pieces of it because I know we wanted to talk about that app again. And I think this will go right into that. Yeah, so there's a lot you can do very simply to take your recordings from pure garbage to at least reasonable. Even if you're very on the go, don't have a lot of time to invest into your recording sessions, you can spend, I'll say under $400 total to get a pretty decent recording setup that's going to put you light years ahead of the average YouTube vlogger that's just starting out using like their phone and a built-in laptop mic or the webcam and the built-in laptop mic, whatever. You can be light years ahead of them with just like a $400 investment. For instance, what we're talking into right now is, or what I'm talking into right now, is a Shure SM58, which is just an industry standard, virtually indestructible microphone. You could drop it down a flight of stairs. It'd probably be fine. Yeah, and that's a, that's 100 bucks, right, for one of those? Yeah, $100. So $100 SM58, and then you've got a mic stand, a cable. You know, these are all very simple stuff. Yeah. You pick it up at your guitar center, or we recommend you just buy it online. Yeah, <laughs> buy it on Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean... You can get a cheap interface like a Focusrite, Scarlett, Yeah, you need to convert that signal. So you have an analog signal coming in and then the box will convert that to digital. So it is a substantial build out and that's not something that you can just take with you everywhere, right? Yeah, it's not terribly mobile. I mean, all that gear is not necessarily big and bulky. It's just that it's a lot of little pieces. So that's kind of what to use if you're planning on recording at home in your office or whatever recording space you're setting up. If you want to be a little more mobile, you can just get a field recorder like a Zoom H6N, which is what I would recommend. So you can have a lot of channels and a lot of variability. You're You're getting free consulting here, (laughs) folks. This is stuff he tells people on a call and they pay him to, to tell them this. And he's giving it to you for free on this podcast. So listen up. Yeah, I mean, that field recorder is, I think, 400 bucks, but you don't necessarily to get... What, what are we talking about? Give me a make and model here. Give me a couple of them. Like an H4N. What do you think about that? Yeah. A Zoom H4N, a Zoom H6N yeah. has six channels and you can plug the nicer microphones into it if you want to. Yeah. Well, so that'll give you the most options if you're willing to spend just a little bit more. All of these field recorders are recording to an SD card and they're battery powered. But of course, they have a little USB charger just like a phone. So you can take a wall adapter for that thing. So you can have it plugged in. You don't have to worry about frying your batteries necessarily to record mobily with that thing. But any of those Zoom field recorders are great. I would just advise 
getting one that has at least two microphone inputs. That's XLR or quarter inch. They're usually the dual sockets, but get one you can plug a real traditional microphone into. Don't just use the little XY mic that's built into the thing or on the H6N. It's a little clip. You can detach it. You can put in another adapter for two more regular XLR mics if you want. So that's a little more probably jargon and audio stuff. So you want to take that, want, but. that field recorder with you, throw it in your backpack, throw a couple of those mics yes. in your backpack, get a couple of desk stands. Yeah. And then I'm out at a bar and I see somebody I want to interview because I'm probably stalking them, right? And I go, <laughs> hey, let's shoot a podcast right here. I mean, if, if you get permission and all that jazz, but you get into a situation where you want to just shoot right there on the fly, yep. and you you set it down on the table and you hook it up to the field recorder and you're off to the races. You bring sure your thing. laptop with you, you could upload the episode straight from there. Yeah. Straight well, into your app. Yeah, straight into the app because <laughs> that's what I was about to say. If you're recording in a bar, it's going to be extremely noisy. Well, that's the whole point of not using... A condenser microphone, you want to use a dynamic yes. microphone. And and like I think this is a common rookie mistake. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to share a little bit because it's my background too. We're passionate about <laughs> yeah. audio. So we're going to nerd out just for a second. And then we're going to talk about your app. The dynamic microphones are less sensitive. And that is a good thing. Yes. Because if it's very sensitive, you're catching the reverberations off the walls. But if you have to speak up into this microphone, it's only picking up your voice. It's not picking up glasses clinking in the background, depending on your gain levels. You're going to have a better noise floor. It's just overall better. So get the SM58, get yeah. the field recorder and the XLR cables, and, and you'll be good to go. You'll right. be thanking us for years from now. Yeah, of course, you know, you see Joe Rogan with the Shure SM7B, which is kind of now... That's a $600 microphone, isn't it? 400 Oh, not, 400 Not too bad, yeah. It's 400 but obviously... But it's got to go on a stand, too. Yeah, it's got to go on a stand. It doesn't have to be that mic. You can use a 58 is what we're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. The 58 sounds almost like the sm7b uh, the main <laughs> we can debate that off the air <laughs> okay the main difference i'm not is, making a base cabs with a 58 but i digress <laughs> the sm7b is even less sensitive good thing but it will pick up a little bit more low end because it has this kind of resonance chamber on the back of it that's why it's kind of square all right i think i think some people are their eyes are probably glazing over so yeah. we're going to go ahead and wrap <laughs> that conversation up and we're going to talk about the app the app the app the app yes okay. tell me what's going on with the app so okay. you go record in a bar so www like you run it through our app podsworth.com that's right yes right now we just have a little www sorry www.podsworth p-o-d-s-w-o-r-t-h.com Go there. It's just a splash page right now. Get your email in. He's going to do an announcement for when he does a release. And you're doing a 50% off special right now, aren't you? Not right okay. now because it's not launched. But once we launch, we're well, giving everybody 50% off. You'll be on the mailing off. list to get the coupon for the 50% off. And you want to get ahead of the game on that. Get on there. Get plugged in with him so that you can get these deals. The app. Yeah. So we are going to give everybody 50% off their first order. Whether you come from one of our affiliate marketers, or you just come try it out 50% off your first order. So what the app does, this is basically a catch-all, fix all the objective problems with any dialogue recording. So kind of the things I mentioned earlier that we have done manually for years that we call prep, our app can do all of that automatically. So this runs in the cloud. You upload it via our website. By the way, the website works perfectly on any mobile browser. So 
iPhone, Android. If you go to podsworth.com on your phone. And, and when it, you say app, is this a browser app? It is a web browser app currently, okay, and but we it's are not... building a proper iOS and Android oh, app Oh, okay. Well. Sorry. I just wanted to clarify so that. Right Sorry now, to interrupt. Go ahead. Right now, in lieu of having a proper smartphone app, you can just jump in your web browser on your smartphone, and it'll work just fine. Okay. So you can do either. Yeah. So we will drop those apps probably within the next year, okay. maybe year and a half. But it's we'll Apple see. Store and Android Store to be determined. But yeah. in the meantime, everything can run through the browser without issue. Exactly. Okay. And of course, most people are not recording on their phone, hopefully. Well, we you hope can. not. We just told you how to <laughs> not do that and why you yeah. shouldn't do it. Well, we didn't really say why too much, but the, <laughs> main, the main why beyond just all the weird processing your phone will automatically do to anything you record that can actually prevent fixing certain problems. The other one is it's going to compress it. I don't mean dynamic processing, like compressing the dynamic range and making it you know, a little less distance between the quiet parts and the loud parts. I mean compressing the file size. So if you record on an iPhone, it's probably going to be M4A, or AAC codec, and it's oh, yeah, very, and that's data very that you'll compressed. never get back. Yes, you, you lose know. all this information from the original uncompressed audio signal. So everything sounds best if you start with an uncompressed audio signal. So that would be wave format. Some people call it PCM, but it's .wav. That's all the quality if you're recording at at least 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz AIF or CD quality. On, uh, Apple. Yeah, it might be is uncompressed format. I think that's compressed as well. But anyway, if but you record <laughs> if you record essentially straight into a compressed audio format, you're losing a ridiculous amount of data to get that file size down and thus you're losing a ridiculous amount of quality and you're losing a massive amount of ability to fix problems and tweak things. Yeah, it's it's diminishing returns because then when Chris goes in with his team and they start manipulating this audio file, they're changing the information even further, which some of that can actually damage the file. And then they do some repair on it on the back end with the audio. And you'll probably be able to put this a little bit more eloquently than me since you're in the industry. But they can't upscale the quality of it, right? If you take a blurry photo, there's only so much you can do with it to sharpen the image. And that's kind of what you're doing with the audio, right? Yeah, so... What the app does is it removes all these problem factors. So if you have a compressed file type, it will still work. It just won't work quite as well as an uncompressed file type. Now, if you have a compressed file type, but it's at a high bit rate, it'll work almost as well. Okay. So not to get too nerdy, but let's just say you have an MP3. If it's 256 kbps, that's very high quality for an MP3. You've still got a lot of data loss compared to a wave, but our app is going to work almost just as well on that as it would a wave file. But the lower bit rate you go, the harder it is to fix essentially. But our app will take any M4A or MP3 file along with any wave file. You should be able to read about it. the file types on the website if you're curious and, and need some more information. I, I'm completely 100% confident that Chris will provide some documentation on that at some point in time on his website for you to nerd out about it. And if not, I'm sure you can send him an email and ask him all about <laughs> it. So we'll go ahead and cut it short there. But for the app, right? So I record in the bar. I've got my SD card. I put it in my laptop. I upload it to Podsworth. What do I get in return for that? All right. So let's say you were just sitting down, slapping this recording together super quickly. You didn't check your game. You're clipping. 
it's going to fix that clipping. Clipping is basically okay. when, just to put it real quickly, you pass unity gain or the zero point. And that's more of an analog digital converter thing than a preamp thing. But essentially, your signal is just too loud. It's more than the machine can handle. So it kind of cuts off what would be a rounded curve in the audio waveform and turns it into a flat line at the top. And you hear that as distortion. It sounds awful. It's abrasive. It makes things completely unlistenable. It sounds like a, like a broken severe. speaker. What else does it fix? Yeah. So after the clipping, the next biggest, most noticeable fix is it's going to greatly reduce or even potentially totally remove your noise floor. So that noise of people talking in the background in film sound, they call this walla because it kind of just sounds like whoa, 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 like that yeah, in the yeah. background, right? Mm -hmm. You can't really hear the words people are saying, but it's this obnoxious, loud background noise. Our app is going to greatly reduce or even potentially totally remove that. Just kind of depends on how loud that is in relation to the signal you're trying to preserve, in our case, dialogue recordings. So, it's going to strip that out. It's going to also greatly reduce or even remove completely plosives. Plosives are the loud, explosive P and B sounds when you're talking into a mic with no pop filter. So that comes from a big rush of air just hitting that diaphragm of the microphone. Again, this is a thing that can make a podcast totally unlistenable. So even very severe plosives, our app can usually completely clean that out. It's also going to really strip out mouth clicks, Kind of those little smacky noises like. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is since we're probably going to run this through the app, I'm going to have to take a version of this that didn't go through the app just so I can keep that mouth click in there for demo yeah, I'm purposes. I'm actually <laughs> going to be running uh, all my episodes through your app. So I'm very excited to see how this episode and, and all the other ones turn out. Yeah. So beyond all those problems I already mentioned that the app can fix, Another really big one is it will take your levels, even if they're wild, if they're all over the place, you go from really, really loud to really, really quiet. It's going to isolate that dialogue and then level it very cleanly. It's going to bring it into a very limited dynamic range, meaning it's not all over the place anymore. So you're not having to turn your volume up and down if you're listening in the car or on a plane or whatever, but it's also not going to sound over compressed. So if you listen to AM radio, that's the definition of overcompressed. It's brick walled is kind of the industry speak for this. It's just squashed. It kind of has this sound like it's just been flattened out. And our app will level things into a tight dynamic range like that without giving it that squashed sound. Okay. Yeah. 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 So not the AM radio sound. Yeah. And it's going to take these raw files and, and they might have some issues with them and automatically make these corrections. And I think I really want to draw another conclusion from this. This sequence of processing with this proprietary app, right? Because this is something that only you have access to and that you developed over time with your expertise working in the podcast industry and literally editing thousands of podcasts and doing this over and over and over again by right. hand, building a team around people that have been doing this by hand. So you know exactly what 99.9% .9 of every podcast needs. Right. And you've, you're innovating in the market right now. You're taking this, this series of repetitive tasks and you're automating it. And now you're going to put it up on your website and make it available to the world. Right. I have two questions. One, what's the turnaround time for an uploaded file? 
And two, what's the pricing structure around this kind of thing? Yeah, I'll do those in reverse order. The pricing structure is probably the most exciting thing. As most people know, labor is not cheap. Labor is usually the highest cost in any business, and it is mine, certainly. So we're getting rid of that labor factor because we've automated all this. All the processing takes place in the cloud. You upload your file, you get it back very quickly, and the cost is $0.25 cents per minute per track as our base price. And then if you select severe noise, like you recorded in the bar, <laughs> for instance, right. or you recorded out on the side of the street with traffic whirring by, so you select severe, then it'll be $0.35 cents per minute per track. So a little bit steeper on that, but you will be blown away by the results. It's incredible what this thing can do, what used to take well over an hour, maybe two hours, depending on the length of an episode, for one of my employees to sit there and click through all our different multiple plugin presets and run this on one file at a time. Now, it's usually about the runtime of the file plus a few minutes. That's the processing time. So if you upload an hour-long podcast episode with two people on separate tracks, you're going to get that back in just over two hours. So just a little bit extra for sending and receiving files, essentially. The processing time is just a hair over the actual runtime of the files. So again, this would take, at best, if you have a production team at your beck and call, this would take you at least 24 hours to get back most of the time. You're going to get this back in the runtime of the files. File runtime. What's a like? Let's say uh, our chat yeah. podcast, and I and I throw that file up there. So if it's when just can like I expect this, it back? If yeah. it's you and one other person, just like this. Well, we're right running now, this through right after I will, this. I will run you a demo as soon as we're done with this this conversation. So that's going to be two hours. If it's an hour long on the dot with two people on separate tracks, two hours, maybe plus like five, 10 minutes for okay, and, and sending and receiving files. So you want to send those files in individually, right? Or do you want to... You can put them in the same order. We will take up to 10 files per order. We suggest if you're putting a lot of really long files in there and you want them back more quickly, the optimal way to do that is if they all have the same processing settings, you can go ahead and put those all in one order. But if they have different processing settings, do about two to four files per order and you'll get them back within that runtime. So for example, this project is basically two microphones and it's you have your own channel and I have my own channel. Right. So what you would recommend is sending in your file as one no, and then no. sending in my file as one. No, these are going to get the same processing. You put them both in the same order. Oh, so you That's could great. bounce out a stereo file of us and it will do all of it? No, you, you have two separate files. You just, you just put them in the same order on the app. Okay, no, that's what I was saying is, is yeah. you would want these to be two separate mono files. Oh, yeah. So by the way, guys, best practice always, try to have each sound source on its own file and you don't need to unnecessarily duplicate that file. So it's going to be mono, not stereo. Stereo, if you're just recording one microphone into a stereo track, you're just duplicating it for no reason. And you upload it to our app, it's going to read two channels and charge you twice as much. So don't do that. Record one mic per channel. So a conversation with two people is two mics, one mic per mono channel. You have two mono channels at the end. You upload those two files to our app in one order. You get your price, you check out, you get your order confirmation right there on the screen and sent to you via email. And then you get those cleaned up files emailed to you. 
with a little download link. They come in a zip file. You got them. They're right there. They're done. They're cleaned up. They're ready to go. If you're going to go through and edit out ums and uhs and pauses, right now you still have to do that. But fortunately, I can tell you guys that's a feature we're working on automating as well and we'll have hopefully in the very near future. Well, I look forward to watching this part of your business, this new chapter that you've unveiled for us today grow and your journey with your business is, is continuing skyward. I mean, you're innovating in the industry and you know I'm happy to be your friend and uh, have you on the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank and you. Um, if, if anybody needs to get a hold of you, what's, what's the best way to get a hold of you if I have a question about Podsworth? You can email chris at podsworth.com. That's how you get in touch with me personally. We also have info at podsworth.com that you can email and that will go to me and the rest of my team. So you may hear from any one of us, but if you want me personally, it's chris at podsworth.com. Awesome. Sounds great. Well,